Sidekicks and henchfolk out there in the Geek Nation. Uh, you're currently tuning into the creator-owned, fully funded Cult Pop Podcast, episode 47, a show where we talk about movies, TV, comics, independent creators, getting it done, and all other things that scratch your nerdy itch. We're coming to you live uh, now, live uh, from Young Junk. A bomb-ass podcasting production space here in Philadelphia, PA. I'm your temporary host, Noel Bartocci, supporter of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA. It happens to be a super rad comic shop, which That's caters down. yes, yes, it caters to nerdy and nerd adjacent individuals of all shapes, sizes, ethnicities, genders, you name it. With me tonight are Brian Lieb. Hi. You want to say anything else, or hello? Efficient. I'll say more. I later. appreciate it. No, I yeah, appreciate it. I'll say it. other stuff. Don't worry. Uh, to my left is. Hey, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len the Bat Tribble. And we have a special guest tonight, Carmen Costa, writer up, creator of Proctor. Yes. An exciting new series live now on Kickstarter. We'll talk about it later. Um, Proctor. But also, oh, I think I feel oh, like that was good. That was I a, feel I like, like that should be cats like <laughs> exactly the noise a yeah. Proctor makes. Can we isolate that and just like use it everywhere? Uh, yeah, I feel like Frank awesome. Wilker. Um, I was just speaking off <laughs> off screen to uh, our trusty producer Dylan the Great. Um, remember, if anything goes wrong, and I'm talking about anything, if there's uh, weather, um, production, tech. It's Dylan's fault. Yeah. Dylan flapped yeah. his wings, I think, a little while ago, and they're expecting and a tornado or a hurricane somewhere. Like in Japan yeah. somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Dylan, what? It's the Dylan effect. <laughs> I, the butter yeah. Dylan effect. Yes. You could do so Dylan many effect. different things with those wings. Yeah. This is what you do. I choose chaos. Every time. Worse. It's it's the worst. You're in control of whether or not it starts a tornado, and that's what you want. <laughs> um. So we. I love butter Dylan. That was funny. Butter Dylan? <laughs> I thought I thought that landed like a my, wet noodle, but I appreciate you I giving it, it a chuckle. There. My yeah. girlfriend sometimes calls me Butter McGonagall, just hmm. s simply because I love butter. Interesting. Where's uh, the McGonagall part? Okay, from? wait, hang on. That's my last name. That's I would like. To, I didn't know that. I, we have a guest. We have a packed show, but I want to unpack that a little bit. <laughs> I need. I, yeah. I need um, details. You love butter. Okay. There's two different ways that that could be sussed out. Like, yeah. I like to apply it many places or uh -huh. I sneak a spoonful of butter before I go to bed raw before I go to bed. No. All right. So yeah. a little column A, a little column B. Oh my God. Oh. I worry about your, your so, future. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, it's okay. You don't got to worry. Um, <laughs> it, I love butter. I love applying it to things, mm. but <laughs> if I'm in the middle of cooking with butter and a little bit of butters on my finger, mm. I'll lick it off. That's not column B. Yeah, yeah, that's, not column a. that's a little bit that's of column, not column B. B. Column B is um, you sneak a bite of butter yeah. when or you're just near brazenly. the fridge, right? That I would, would also yeah. count. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't for no reason sneak a bite of butter, I guess. But I mean, I'm not saying that I haven't eaten yeah, just straight up butter by itself. You're before. young and bulletproof. It's fine. Exactly. I'll never Have die. you melted butter, butter. And, 
and taken a straw to it? No. Would okay. you? Because yeah. you got to drink it fast. It'll congeal. Uh, you would. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, it depends. Is... is there also liquefied like lobster that I'm drinking from a straw as well? Yes, the lobster has been liquefied, <laughs> but it's in a different cup. All right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two straws. Absolutely so disgusting. <laughs> so, yeah. So one, <laughs> two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like a chaser. You have like to combine a them shot in your of mouth, butter yes. and a chaser of. Oh, interesting lobster? order, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you want to with you the lobster. coat the mouth. All right, sure. so the reason why we're so fucking off the rails already, uh, JD's not here, <laughs> um, who usually keeps us in check, but we'll do our very best because, like I Does mentioned he? before, uh, not really. <laughs> He's so easily distracted. Yes, this yeah. feels pretty... As much on the rails. And I, as I hope he's. Are. I There's hope he's. Rails. Yeah. I actually hope he's not watching because he's on vacation and he should not be wasting his time with us right now. Yeah. Close your eyes, JD. Um, yeah, listen you. only. So, well, like I had mentioned, we have a packed show and a guest, and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. But um, before I get into that, I just want to remind everybody that's watching live or even afterwards, because you know it's the internet; it's forever. Please feel free to comment, like, subscribe, hit the bell icon so we know. So, you know, when we go live next time and post new content. Also, if you don't necessarily want to do a back and forth and messenger, just email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. Anything and everything, let us know and we'll talk about it later. Um, so well, let's jump into that part of the show where we talk about the things that we uh, may or may not have done, experienced, loved, hated over ah, the course of the last week. Yes. Um, so I'm going to start with our guest, Carmen. What you been up to this week? Huh? huh? Nice. We didn't you. know that was gonna happen. I did not know that. Okay. That's was, that was good. Um, recently wrapped up Arcane on Netflix. Oh, what is that? yes. Uh, brought to us by the creators of League of Legends. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea that I knew of the game, but I had no idea the show existed. I mm -hmm. teach a class called Pop Culture and Media Studies at the high school I work at, uh, and my <laughs> students put me onto it. And their claim was it's the best show on Netflix. And I was like, I, I at least need to entertain that. It's pretty close. Visually, mm. I would put it up there with the new Turtles movie. I would put oh, it shit. up there with the Spider-Verse films. Oh. So I guess it took, a, apparently it took six years to make. And it is very apparent that it, it took six years to yeah, make it. Yeah. Is it one season, two seasons? I think it's two seasons, isn't it? No, right now it's one season, oh, nine right. episodes. That's right. Are so you yeah, thinking about the one that's on Prime? No, no, no. What's, I'm thinking about. I know what he's talking about. I know exactly. What's the what one that's about. on Prime now? The one that's on Prime is that the I one that's based on couldn't. like a um, Vox Vox Machina. Yeah, Vox Machina. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that mixed up. All about like what's the? Um, so it takes place in the League of Legends universe. Okay. So I guess the characters that are in the the protagonists and antagonists in the show are featured in the game. Hmm. I think like the protagonist is is one of the playable characters, but it takes place in this fictional world that is very much so like steampunk yeah. magic oh. adjacent type thing. So if you're, cool. if you're into, I guess, high fantasy steampunk, it's, it's definitely, I'm into it's definitely things. there for you. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like he's describing your, Sweet. your, your level of kink. And so my episodes oh, yeah. one and two were slow <laughs> and there's a lot of building up of the universe. It's a ton of world building. Yeah, yeah, um, very much so in the same way I was with like game of Thrones where you're like, you're two episodes in you're like, I get it, but yeah. you know, what's going on. Yeah. Um, and if I remember, cause I've only, I watched it actually a little bit ago. It's like a, it's almost like getting the gang together the first couple yeah. of episodes, yeah. you know? Um, but it, it, the animation, the computer animation of it is top level. You can see where they, they put the work in. The world building is 
in, intense, um, intentional. Um, the 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 voice acting is good. The action is pretty cool. It actually is a, a pretty cool series. Nice. Arcane, and yeah. it gets nice. dark too, which it I gets did dark. not expect hmm. it to get as dark as it did. I love yeah. it. I love it when content can do that. Content. I sound like a fucking asshole. <laughs> Everything is content. I love it when a, a movie or a TV series or a book series does that, where it kind of lulls you into safety or security, and then just gets like. You were talking about it last week, Reservoir, Reservation Dogs. Yes. I think is a really good example where it starts mm. as almost like a little bit of a lighter. Yeah. There's seriousness, yeah, but yeah. lighter, but then it literally becomes a drama by the yeah. time you're invested. Yeah. 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 Much deeper. Um. Nice. What else have you been up to? Um. Uh-huh. I just read Hickman's Gods. Ooh. Um. Uh, Jonathan Hickman with art by Valerio Shidi. It's unbelievably good. That's so too. I, nice. it, and it was sounds- for. Yeah. The Marvel Universe, a breath of fresh air, where like all of the cat, I guess not all, but a lot of your major players from the Marvel world are in your periphery, but they're not the stars of the show by any means. And you're mm-hmm. just kind of following these new folks mm-hmm. um, around this this very familiar world, which I, I liked. There's um, we we uh, we talked about it last week on fret. Not you and I, but I'm referring to you because you're right next to me. Uh, we talked about it on Fresh Floppies last week. Um, Fresh Floppies, if anybody hasn't listened to it, it's our weekly Wednesday morning podcast where we talk about new comics that come out that day. Um, it's often posted late. So if you're on the way to the shop on Thursdays, for you guys. But um, yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. That first issue was basically a short graphic novel. And it's kind of a one-shot. It's like a you full can, story. Yeah. 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 And uh, there was a lot of... There was a lot of Coming and hawing on on comic Twitter mm-hmm. about the price tag. It is a nine ninety nine comic book. Mm. The first issue. The first issue. How many how many pages? Ninety. Yeah, it's big. It's oh, pretty good deal. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, a twenty two page issue of Spider Man is four ninety nine five bucks. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's fine. And also, it is not just a first issue. It's literally a whole three act. Hmm. One and done that kind of introduces where we're going to go next, but you literally can read it and just like not continue if you don't want to. It's really good. It's really, really good. Let me just ask because I haven't read this, but Hickman is very uh, fond of putting in a lot of process stuff in his books. You get none of it in this. No. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. I know it's the story. Nice. I was waiting. There's no it. maps. There's no timelines. Yeah, cool. There's no, I mean, yeah. there's, I mean, those are fun. Intricacy, yeah. and I'm sure it'll show up eventually because he does establish the concept of the book is that there is there are the powers that be, and there is the natural order of things. The powers mm-hmm. that be, the avatar for the powers that be, is this gentleman named Win. He's seemingly immortal, kind of magical, and this is very, set in a Marvel universe. Marvel universe, current day. Very tired, hmm. <laughs> and the powers that no, the, the order of things yeah. is a group of a hundred like agents hmm. the deal that was made was that the avatar for the natural order for the powers that be has to have a representative or an apprentice from hmm. the natural order of things and they <coughs> fix things together all right so hmm. it's like it's a buddy comedy but it's a an unwitting a partnership or an unwilling hmm. partnership it's very good hmm. it's very very good Sounds and then cool. it's incredibly romantic too yeah it's it gives you like I said, uh, breath of fresh air for sure, especially with the Hickman book where you don't really get that. A lot of times it's very antiseptic or clinical and to the point. Yeah, like I read, try, well, I, I tried 
um, Black Monday Murders. Volume one, I was like, okay, cool. Volume two, I was like, I'm just an idiot. Like, I just, I just, <laughs> I'm a moron. Like, there's no way I can, and I'm okay with that. And we're just going to put this down and I'm going to never look at this ever again. It reminded me of, did you stick with decorum? No, but I liked it a lot. And I, it, you know, it reminded me of the tone of that where Ooh, it's like, okay, big, big, big ideas, but we're really just going to focus on mm. this, this one mm. girl who's good at her job. That's cool. Like, it's, yeah. it, it rides the rails between huge, but also like really small and personal. Nice. I liked it. Was I was I was super shocked about it. I hope it gets really popular, and speculators freak out because they bitched about the price tag. <laughs> That's what I hope. That's what speculators do. <laughs> worth uh, everyone's time. Absolutely worth everyone's time. Um, what have you been up to this week, Lynn? Well, what I've been up to. Oh, I'm glad you asked. I just finished a podcast that, admittedly, it was put out by a good friend of mine. Ronald Young. It um it's a short podcast series um that you can find as part of the Radiotopia um uh family, but it's available everywhere and it's called Wait for It. And the wait is W E I G H T. And I'm gonna read it straight from Apple Podcasts. Wait for it unpacks the nuanced thoughts of fat folks and of all folks who think about their weight all the time. Through narrative storytelling, uh, Ronald hopes to have the conversations that we tend to avoid when it comes to our bodies. Um, it's about, as I think it's like about maybe six or seven episodes. And Ronald, who is a larger guy, um, really just wanted to unpack what it meant to be fat hmm. in America by taking a personal examination of his own life and how he deals with his weight, hmm. how he... Um, processes people looking at him and considering him fat, how people are um, maneuver around him, how some people may think that he is, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a danger to them or might be scared of him because of his size, or some people might be intimidated because of his of his size, or there are some people who are, um, make fun of him because of his size. Um, and it's really, really cool. He, 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 he talks about, um, how his, his doctor at one time was always kind of being like really passive aggressive with him about losing weight. Um, he talks about at one time when he was a little bit smaller and it was dating a, a, a larger size woman and how he reacted with her. And then he, he has a very cool uh, episode where he actually has a conversation with her mm. and kind of like, you know, they reflect on how they were back at that time, mm. um, which is, gets deeply personal, Yeah, but it's, it's real. Um, and they, I think they come out on the other side, the better for it. Mm. Uh, and he has other really cool conversations. He has a dope conversation with this guy, um, Deshaun Harrison, who's a theoretic writer that uh, I've actually interviewed before. Um, and they talk about uh, fat phobia mm. um, and, and, and also how it is experienced with a, a more fluid man, which is what Deshaun is. It's a great podcast series. Um, I I recommended it to a couple of my friends who are larger sizes, and they they were like, "So what you trying to say, Len?" It's like, "No, I just think it's a cool podcast." Well, I just subbed. 
Uh, I've uh, dealt with weight issues my entire life, and that sounds fantastic. It is. It is. It is. It's absolutely fantastic, and it was as transformative as it was for me to listen to it because this was a guy that I knew, Ronald. He's a, he's a friend of mine, but to hear him being this deeply personal, like I I have even a, a more deeper appreciation for him and love for him. Um, but it was even more transformative for me to just to see the guys that I introduced to it mm. and like how they went it, to it. Like, you know, well, what are you trying to say, Len? And then they were like, Shh, I'm listening. And they were like <laughs> taking it all in and like, because he was speaking to things that mm. unspoken things that they said, you know, like I never even thought about it. A boy, Calvin, who, um, I'm sorry, I, I I said your name, Calvin. I'm sorry, but um, Bears fan, he's okay. <laughs> bear down. Uh, he, it, it, Ronald goes part of his uh, one of the episodes. He talks about how he has to, you know, be maneuvering as a larger man, and people don't notice it, but he has to be kind of strategic about how he walks and where he sits, mm -hmm. you know, and the things that he sits on or leans against. And I and I'm listening to that. Me and Calvin were listening to it at the same time. And I was like, Calvin, you don't be thinking about that. And he's like, Yeah. Hmm. I'm like, shit. I, I I never would have thought thought that. You know, me and Calvin hang out all the time. And I would have never like seen that. But he's like, I think about it all the time, man. Hmm. And like this is really cool. So it's a really cool podcast. Wait for I, it. Check it out. I will say like that is a real thing. Like when we when we first started podcasting, everybody was like, we're gonna be in recliners. And the first thing I thought was it's impossible to not look like a fat fuck mm. sitting in a recliner like this, no matter how well you sit and being short. And it was just always top of mind of like how you present yourself yeah. when yeah. you're when you struggle with weight. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great conversation. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, we really don't get enough of the male conversation when it comes to like how much space we take up and how we like make each other feel. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's something that's yep. You know, as when I'm in a classroom with kids, like I always try and take stock of that, and you always sort of realize like to exist in your own body. We we're now in a in a world where I think for women it's a it's a it's it's an easier conversation to have, whereas I think men even still shy away from it for one reason or another. Um, or maybe it turns into a joke so that we don't have to take it as seriously yeah. as maybe we should. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. I um um I don't think necessarily I don't necessarily think that um the culture has caught up to open spaces for oh guys. No, not, no, at, all. not at all. Not at all. No. And it, it usually takes um assholes our age that just don't care enough about preconceived notions to just go ahead and talk about it like yeah yeah, yeah whatever i have this problem yeah for but sure 20 year old me would very much hide it and not be exactly mm -hmm. sure and not know exactly who i can converse with it so it would end up being a joke or a drunken conversation <laughs> about real feelings <laughs> or you know like yeah, shit like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no that's that sounds like a great show sure. um on a lighter note brian hey have What's you up? been up to anything this week? I've been up to a thing. I've been up to something. Would you Would you like to talk about a thing that you've been up to? Perhaps uh, it was good. It was good. It was Good Omens two. What season two? Uh, so just a little background. There was Good Omens season one, which is the entirety of the of the book Good Omens, and Neil Gaiman book, right? Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, and uh, they wrote that uh, a long time ago, and had ideas for a second story. 
But then I guess Sandman took off and Discworld took off and they both just, their careers uh, bloomed and they never got back to it, right? But they remained really good friends. Burdened with success. Yes, yeah. very much so. They spoke of it often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so they never got back to it, but remained really good friends. Terry Pratchett, Pratchett uh, passed away a little while ago. But they did this uh, season one with several homages to Terry Pratchett, and then it was very popular, so they're doing a season two. This is not the book idea that they had together. That, if um, if there is another season of the show, will be season three, and mm. that will be it. This is very much like an interstitial Um the general idea of Good Omens, especially in season two, is that there's this angel and a demon, and they were around, you know, since the beginning of Earth and before, and uh, became very, very close over that time. They started doing little things for each other, and, you know, it took a while, but uh, now they're, like, the the closest of companions. Um, David Tennant plays Crowley, the demon. Excellent. It's kind of like... His version of the Doctor, I heard it described with uh, whiskey and cigars. <laughs> um, and Michael Sheen is a zero fail. The two of them have become really good friends since uh, this show started, and uh, they're they're both phenomenal. John Hamm is in it. Um, Love John Hamm. Yeah, he's great, and he's Gabriel, a right? He's Gabriel, who was not a character in the book, but was in season one and is a bigger part of season two which uh, season two is this very smaller, a much smaller story. Uh, season one is about the birth of the Antichrist and trying to... End of the world, Pocla, Horseman of the Apocalypse, yeah. all I am. He gets born into... Uh, he's supposed to be placed with a high-level American diplomat played by Nick Offerman. That's in right. The show. That's right. And um, he is accidentally... Did you, did you watch Good Omens? I did not. It was no. very oh, funny. so good. I didn't yeah. realize you watched it. Yeah I, yeah, I watched the first one. We just haven't watched the second one yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was very funny. Um, yeah, the Antichrist accidentally gets placed in a uh, suburban British house and grows up as this like suburban kid without all these influences that uh, yeah. they want him to have. Um, so, yeah, that ends. And then you've got this, uh, like I said, much smaller story between Aziraphale and Crowley and about their relationship deepening. And um, John Hamm's Gabriel shows up with absolutely no memory and he's completely nude. And they're like, what do we do with this with this guy who is? not their favorite guy you know no he's a foil in the first season yeah yeah um and uh it's great it's it's so much fun i am really looking forward to it. neil gaiman said if they don't get a third season he will write a book that is the wrap-up nice. of it um which is which is excellent and it's something very interesting for a show to do where season one is really big and season three presumably will be big you know who knows but to do this like interstitial story in between the two how many episodes is it six i believe the perfect. same as the first one i think perfect size yeah yeah it's <laughs> yeah. great i think they're longer episodes than yeah. a normal thing but i mean they flew by for me yeah it's on the list um, good omens available on amazon prime right yes prime yeah. video sorry and i'll tell prime you what video. the opening credits are cool and they're ones that i've watched like not every time, but I've let him go by a couple of times. I'll uh, I'll go quick. No, what you this week? Huh? Oh, I'll go. No, what have um, you been up to this week? Huh? Um, I want to formally address something that's been weighing on me for four, five, six months now. Okay. Since the beginning of the summer, um, I finally saw Haunted Mansion. Ah, oh, how Disney's, was that? Disney's. It's available now on Disney Plus. Haunted Mansion, rated PG thirteen, directed by Justin Simeon of Dear White People. Um, 
starring Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Tiffany, Haddish. Tiffany Haddish, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, uh, Owen Wilson Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Oh, yeah. Just That's literally cool. a murderer's row of character actors. Um, huge budget, special effects. Thought it was going to do well at the box office. I bet you it was, and I lost. It did uh, terribly. What were the stakes of that, Pat? 20 bucks, I think, so I'll, yeah. I'll hook you up eventually. Wait, but it's like over a year, right? Something happens over the course of a year, I think. Uh, no, I just I think I said the uh, domestic box office would be over $100 million. Oh. What was the budget right. on it? Do we know? I think it was like 125 130 It'll Ugh. make its money back, but it'll be like an even draw. It's yeah. not going to be at the box office. But I finally watched it on Disney+. Plus. My, my wife is not a fan of things that are scary, but constantly wants to watch Halloween themed things. So there's just a very small, there's a very yeah. small a sliver of threads the needle. That yeah. threads the needle. So yeah. PG 13 Haunted Mansion, um, Beetlejuice, that kind of shit. Sure. Just threads the needle. Charlie Brown Halloween. I get that. That, that actually kind of is every year. Stripe. Yeah. Scooby Doo yeah. and the Booze Brothers, if you're looking for one. The Booze Brothers? Scooby Doo and the Booze, that is, hmm. it's a hitter. It's good. worth right. your time. Uh, <laughs> We watched Haunted Mansion. Um, it wasn't bad. Nice. It should have it like if they created it in a lab, it should have had all the things that made it incredibly successful. One of them being it should not have come out in fucking July. Yeah, that's a weird choice. Should have came out like next week. But whatever. Um, it was good. It was like it was a really impressive looking movie. Everybody was good in it. The first half hour to forty minutes, a little sleepy. But then the whole second half, the third act was great. Like it was, it was a solid, passive, not so scary hmm. <laughs> Halloween movie. But yeah, I mean, I wish it. I wish it took the world by storm. I could have told you it was. You did. Yeah, you did I. You did tell me that. It's not a good movie. It's not funny. It's not scary. I don't think it's good looking. I think it's really a. Did dismal. you watch it? Yes, I saw it. It looked. It what? was a very pretty movie. The whole third act. I had, was a, very I had, a, I had a free screening. I also, there was there was a couple of very uh, effective emotional beats. Wait a second. Hold on. Why was Rosario Dawson and her son dressed like they were in the fifties? I have no idea. Do you think hmm. that's a plot thread that they just like cut? Probably. <laughs> probably. Probably has something to do with the that and this weird wig that. They made her wear. Right. Uh, uh, spoilers? Not really spoilers. I don't know. Is you guys going to watch this movie? Is everyone that's listening right now going to watch this movie? No. Um, <laughs> they make the aesthetic choice for Rosario Dawson and her nine-year-old son to just wear like 50s, like 60s style garb. June, huh. June and, and Beaver Cleaver. Are they, they talk like that at all? No. So the entire movie, I'm thinking like, okay, it's going to be revealed that they're, they've been in that house, they've stuck in that house for 200 years. Hmm. Or, or like a sixth sense ghosts. sort of right, right. Yeah. Sure, sure. Nope. Nope. Hmm. They just wear those clothes. That's just how they dress. place during Nope. The- nope. I mean, they do go out of their way. No one uses a cell phone. No one uses a computer. No one uses Google. Like it's very timeless in that way. Yeah, a little and bit. And the yeah. oldest car is like maybe early nineties. Yeah, but it's, but it's not fifties. It's, it's not. not it's like, not yeah. what they look like. No. Okay. It's, it was no. a really weird choice. The kid is like nine, and he's dressed up in a, a bow tie, full three piece. Well, I think that was. A, I think that that was a choice for the character. His look. Hmm. Uh, it was more her but look it's that both was just disturbing. Like, it's so weird to me. It, it, it's it's. She's adorable though. Hmm. She's always adorable. Who? Rosario Dawson. Dawson. I, look, <laughs> I love great. Rosario Dawson. I love Rosario Dawson. I love um, uh, Lakeith Stansfield. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but they both were cashing Disney checks and just and they were so I sleeping through this. They the were sleeping first couple of this. episodes of Ahsoka. Yeah. This she was a she was she was she was she showed up. If you say so. I think so. I think Do you she guys think up. it's possible that they released it in July so that it was available for streaming by Halloween? Like, is that yes and no? But I think it was also moved up. Like uh, something got pushed back, yeah. and then they. Sw- oh, I, actually, it was Marvels. Oh, really? that's Marvels. Right. Swap. Right. Oh, it was supposed them? to come out like uh-huh. around now, but Marvel and Mars was supposed to come out in July, and they I swapped see. them. But yeah. they, they also don't do like a ton of PG thirteen films closer to the winter, right? Isn't there like a I forget what that count? I uh, thought there was like mostly like I believe that I'm not sure. like rated R. Well, it's territory. rated R or Oscar bait. Okay, usually yeah, yeah, around yeah. this time. You're yeah. saying this is not going to win an Oscar? <laughs> no, okay. probably not. All right. Not even not even like the good ones, like costume design or. <laughs> no, I see a couple of Razzies maybe, in its future. Maybe some okay. sound editing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, it sounded uh, horrible. So that was our week. It's a bad movie. It's a, you know what everyone has an opinion, and mine is right. And yours is yours. So anyway, we brought Carmen here today to talk very specifically about something very cool that he's been working on or has worked on. It's worked on. Done. It's done. It's um, done. So, um, Proctor is an original. Thank you. Let, I let need me do, that. Let me gotta, do it one more time. Like, <laughs> let's let's make that. Happen. I need to license it. Proctor. An original comic book, creator-owned comic book by Carmen Costa and Ricardo Ciccini? Checky. Chetty? Checky. Checky. There you go. I'll, I'll mess it up one more time. Um, Give us the rundown. Like, pitch the book to us. Um, talk about your process and where people can find it. Sure. Uh, so the easiest way to find it... Actually, I'll pitch it first. Let's pitch, pitch it, it first. Tell Let's, me the story. So imagine if uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a bit of a drinking problem and an unhealthy relationship with her mom. That's pretty much how, you know, we get those vibes from the very beginning. She's 27 years old trying to figure out her life, and it's kind of a love letter to any messy 20-something like I was. Mm. Um, it's it's like definitely like a love letter to messy millennials, you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like we kind of got the raw deal, and we we exited college and we were maybe promised a bit of a roadmap that we didn't get. Right. And um, so that's kind of that's that, that's the world that, that we exist in. So um, the easiest way to to get it is you can just search Proctor on Kickstarter. You could follow me on Instagram at Carmen.Costa.Writes. And then my it's in the LinkedIn bio. You can just we'll put it all there. We'll put yeah. it all in there. Yep. <clears throat> Um, it was originally a book that I started about three years ago. You told me this, and I like this story, how you, how it became a comic. Talk to me. Yeah, so um, I've been like always writing stuff, and I was actually working on another comic at the time um, with a with a team, and you kind of get bored, you know, when things start to slow down. Yeah, so yeah. I just decided to pivot a little bit and spend uh, like a couple mornings working on this idea of. Like the the vampire slayer or the de- the hero that is always a mess. Like this isn't an origin story. We're not getting a story about someone discovering powers. We're just accepting the fact that sometimes you don't get it right, and <laughs> and you're just trying to to make it work as best as you can. Yeah. Um. So that took me about like I said about three years to write. 
and maybe six different drafts, you know, beta readers, people giving me feedback. And then I was pitching it to agents and, you know, I, I know the, 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 that corny rule of like, you need like a hundred rejection letters. If, if you don't get a, get 100 rejection letters, it's, it's not enough. And I think I got to like 50 and I was like, it's enough. We, we need to, <laughs> I need to reevaluate this. So I coincidentally had gotten a job at a comic book store in Glassboro, New Jersey, the comic book store on Rowan campus. Nice. Um, and my buddy who works there was talking to me about the book cause he had read it. And I guess just from being inundated with comics, right? Like I'm just looking around and I'm, I'm reading something is killing the children. And, yeah. and there are some aspects of that, that I thought were, that I thought were cool. How long was the, how long it was, it, it was like a novel. Yeah. 300 uh, pages. 300 pages. I was going to say, pages. how long was it? Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at all these other things and I'm looking at the art of, um, uh, Jimenez and I love that artwork. And then I'm looking, um, at the art of once and future and I'm, I'm just putting all these things together. I'm like, man, I really want to maybe try this. So it started as a 300 page book and then it was reduced to 12 issues and then I reduced it to eight. And then I finally land after having conversations with Ricardo, we landed at six. And um, I think I managed to pull not that the not that there are unnecessary chapters, but in my mind, these these chapters started to become like really cool one shots. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I don't need the flashback chapter necessarily. And now I can really if I want to, I can make it a short story. Exactly. You know, exactly. and and I started to play around with the idea of. You know, the right way to tell a story, the economics of storytelling mm -hmm. in the comic book industry and started to just accept the fact that I had to live in those, in, in those shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so the, the book was, the book was born. Um, it took us maybe four months to get issue one done. Uh, Ricardo starts issue two in two weeks. How did you connect? With, with yeah. Ricardo? I was going to ask, how'd you find Ricardo? So um working at the comic book store. It's December. And my buddy, Tim goes, Hey, top Cal is doing a talent search you know, if you want, like you have to just write a script. So he, I say, okay, well that's, that's pretty cool. When's the deadline? He goes next week. <laughs> and I say, all right, well, um, what's, what's the requirements? He goes, oh, you have to write an issue of cyber force. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so I'm like, Christ. I'm like, all right, man, this is, I'm not doing it. Like there's just, yeah, so just I'm just, this is not happening. So I, just go on my merry way and then all of a sudden sunday morning comes and the deadline's wednesday and i wake up and i'm like i'm doing i'm just gonna <laughs> fucking try it right so i spend the entire day i crank out an issue um and there were like these weird rules where uh it had to take place in the universe but couldn't really be canon e i forget all the requirements so cyberforce is a canon that is protected I guess yes. Yeah. So fucking <laughs> okay. So I, <laughs> I I submit it, and then once the submission deadline came, the the people run it, the submission was on, or the group that I was in was on Facebook. So it was a giant Facebook group of like five thousand people, and one of the administrators was like, "Any artists who want to post their work, for sure, just like start posting your work. The deadline's over. If you want to share stuff, share, share stuff." So Ricardo shares his pages. And I basically um, 
underneath his page commented like if you don't win this this is a scam like there's <laughs> there's no way in any world you don't win like it's it's crazy and you know he said thank you so much and then i reached out to him and i was like you know what let me just pitch it like let me just pitch him so i just said hey man listen i have and at the time i just had the book i didn't have any of issue one written yet so i said i had this idea for a comic it was a book let me write you the first eight pages or first 10 pages because if you're submitting your package to an indie publisher in the comic book world, they typically want five to eight pages yes, or, or whatever mm -hmm. that is, right? So I was like, let me pitch you the pages. And if, if you like it, great. But if you think that it stinks, I get it. And it's fine. Like, I, I, I respect that. So I send it to him. He dug it. And then it was kind of, we started, I think, maybe January right after New Year, January 2 or January wow. 3. And then it was so uh, Ricardo. Where is he located? Italy. Okay. Oh, wow. So Ricardo's in Italy. So I started working with Ricardo and just agreeing on, you know, panel layout, pencils, mm -hmm. inks. Mm -hmm. And then he put me on to uh, the colorist that I'm using, Marcos Martins, who lives in Brazil. Yeah. And Marcos does great work. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. And then he put me on, uh, to or they both put me on to um a guy by the name of reed hinkley barnes who is a letterer out of um san francisco okay i believe so yeah it's been it's been wild just pitching these these ideas global mm. um <laughs> so it, it's been fun i, I recently discovered that pre-production yeah discovering pre-production is a thing was was jarring but i had you know i added you know hired somebody else to do that so that's been kind of cool and, and feeling that out so that's been the process it's been wild you're gonna figure it out as you go i like it well yeah, like i am research and education and then just like i'll do this and then i guess i'll do this i i, yeah. I think that's fun i've always been um to a fault because it's gotten me in trouble <laughs> i've always been a how hard can it be guy <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like I was in, like I was in punk bands in high school. I, I graduated from college and did like a singer songwriter thing, um, that, that got some pretty good indie success. And it was always just, I'm just going to show up. Like, I'm yeah, I'm just going to show up with my guitar. I'm just going to show up. And if people don't like it, then I know. And that's great. If people tell me to go home, that's fine too. But it can't be that hard to just show up. And right. that's kind of like my. That's half of it right half, there. You just have to show up, man. Exactly, and, man. And, and then be consistent, right? Like mm -hmm. show mm -hmm. up, be consistent, and then things will kind of start falling into place. So how much of it was uh, um, a, a twist of, of your thinking to go from writing a novel to writing a comic book? That is a different type of style uh, of writing. It was... Okay, so in one instance, it was a breath of fresh air. In another instance, it was infuriating. Be and I didn't realize that until the talent search, because for the talent search, they were kind of basically like, if you don't know how to write a comic book, here are links to all of these different scripts from all these different comic book artists. Like, you can figure it out. And all of them were vastly different. Exactly. And what yeah. I realized was that there, there aren't any hard and fast rules to it. And again, you just kind of have to show up. And mm -hmm. I kind of 
took a look at, I think I, I looked at a Bendis script. I looked at an oh, Alan wow. Moore script. Ooh. I looked at, which was. That's a <laughs> pendulum swing and a half. Because like Bendis goes uh, Final Draft Pro, like almost screenwriting, right. playwright style. Yeah. And then but, but Alan, Alan Moore. Moore. Alan Moore I'm is, going to describe the, the blades of grass in the uh, side wait, panel. And his own little drawings. And tell you the uh. history of each blade. And at least the yeah. script that I saw. So maybe, you know, allegedly this was his script. So I don't want to say, you know, I, I don't want. <laughs> it's probably true. Right, I don't want to be on, you know, but I don't want to offend anybody. But it was like no indents, all caps, like mm -hmm. just a wall yeah, of the, like capital text. letters. Yeah, yeah. So it was, but again, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. Where I was like, okay, I can kind of make my own way. Kind and of then, in between. Yeah, and I found a video of, I believe it was Scott Snyder explaining his writing process. Yeah, yeah. that's his Patreon. Yeah, his Patreon or his Substack is basically. Comic Books 101, and he does videos of how to break story, how to, like, uh, uh, approach a series, how to, uh, you know, do this and that. I, I remember getting all the emails asking if I wanted to join in. It was, it, was a, it was cool because he yeah. was like, this is how I, I think, if I'm remembering it correctly, it's kind of like, this is how I write for Greg Capullo, but <laughs> this is how I, I write for Jim Lee. Yeah. And yeah. you realize that... Oh wait a minute! Like as the as the writer, I'm actually working for my artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm mm -hmm. actually not like the dialogue's me. Like the dialogue, I, I feel like, and I feel like it comes through in Proctor, and I'm I'm really happy with it. Um, I feel like it's nice and punchy, but for the most part, everything else, I'm working for my artist, and I just have to communicate with him. It's not really about the reader. Where I think sometimes. Exactly. From if you're if you started just writing, you know, if you're writing a narrative, you're think you're you're thinking I'm I have to entertain my reader every which way by way of what you know imagery and this and yeah, that and right. if you you can if your artist doesn't really care about imagery and they want to take the reins a little bit and they want to make certain decisions as long as you're comfortable relinquishing that to them, it's it's great. So. Yeah. I think Ricardo and I have developed a pretty awesome relationship where, you know, he'll make recommendations like, hey, this shows up on, you know, the script says that this happens on panel five of page three. But how about we move it to panel one of page four? Because if I move this panel, it gives me the freedom to do this other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and he also respects the dialogue stuff because I don't really have to ask him. And he does an amazing job of reading the the script and being like, okay, if I'm going to put this character here, there needs to be space for the, for the dialogue. Yeah. Where, exactly. Which is in, in previous experiences with other artists, they, they haven't done that. So that's like the professionalism that I think there is pretty rad. Yeah. What did your scripts end up looking like for Ricardo? Like what, where did you balance the, the, what the script ended up looking like more? Definitely more Bendis, like yeah. definitely more. And I am not saying I am ready for this in any way, shape or form, but I can definitely see this idea of like, oh, I can definitely write a, I would like to write a screenplay. Mm -hmm. And then you start to say like, oh man, what would it be like to direct a film? Yeah. Where you're kind yeah. of start to living in that space a little bit more where two years ago, having never written a script. Arm, how hard can it be? How hard can <laughs> it, dude, story of my life, bro. Show up and. I, I, th I love him or hate him, Bendis is like the only other than like I, Scott Snyder now is doing like one-on-one stuff on his sub stack, but Bendis actually has a textbook, uh, words oh, with I pictures. 
Yeah, like okay. he he made a textbook, uh, yeah. like maybe like seven eight years ago, and then there's been How another edition of it, and he teaches at Portland University. Hmm. Um, him and Eric Walker. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you're ever interested in process and just like it's it it's half textbook about comic book scripting and just like working with artists artists. And then the other half of the book is like an oral storytelling of an oral story uh, history of some of the biggest projects he's worked on. Oh, very cool. Where he'll, it's like printed interviews between him and Alex Malieve and him and Olivier Coipel. Uh, like, Different artists he's yeah, worked on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's half entertaining, but it's also half like educational about like a lot of things that people don't really know about or talk about in regards to like building comic books. And I thought it's like, that's really, that's a really cool resource. Anybody out there. Uh, to your local bookstore. The, the craziest pictures. part. The craziest part about this has been just coming to terms with this is the comic book business, and on and just you know hard looks in the mirror and just being like these are the, the decisions that you have to make. These are the ways that we need to fund. Um, you know I'm gonna print this many issues for this reason because I I I have a roadmap for how I want my Kickstarter to go and mm -hmm. how I want it to fund. I'm paying more attention to paper quality. Like all of yeah. that stuff kind of starts to take control too. Even the idea of um, cover A, cover B, cover yeah, C, yeah. the variant world. I didn't know that if I wanted to do a variant through Print Ninja, just deciding to have a second variant was going to cost me $250. Hmm. But when you have to pay the artist $250 and then the colorist to color it and then print ninja to to just turn the switch mm -hmm. now you're five six seven hundred dollars into a cover b that had better sell right like right that's kind of the the world that i'm in now let's talk about um where is it now and with kickstarter so we are at five thousand dollars our funding goal was forty five hundred nice yeah i'm thank you nice. I'm, I'm very excited funded in less than two days yeah funded in less than 48 oh. hours uh i have a there's a great comic book community and then also i just have awesome people in my life who who really believe in the project and want to see the project win it's also felt good that you know, I've been sending some people advanced copies just to get a read on it. And even the the poster, um, when I explain, you know, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer drinking problem, uh, unhealthy, like hard, unhealthy relationship with her mother. So many people have been like, oh, dude, same. Like, like immediately <laughs> mm -hmm. they just it, it, it hits. And she's kind of built with the DNA of. You know my wife but a, a lot of really awesome women that i'm that i'm friends with and have been friends with at different stages of my life and it's kind it kind of um i think speaks to them mm -hmm. um but also it's me like it really is me uh, i i there's a note in on the first page of the of the book and it really it, you know she helped me get through a lot um, you know, I'm five years sober and I think one of the things that helped me navigate that was, you know, writing about this character, right? Like, mm. I think, I think even if you're not a woman and even if you have a healthy relationship with your mom, and I think even if you don't have a drinking problem or whatever, <laughs> and or fight demons and or fight demons, yeah. I think you will 
hopefully if, if I do it right. And I, I genuinely think that I did this time, I, you know, um, <laughs> I think you'll find pieces of yourself. If, if not in Sam, then in the other characters that will eventually show up because these other characters are love letters to friends, acquaintances, just people in my life that kind of were like lightning rods mm -hmm. and they might not even know it, you know, where I just, you know, a friend in high school who I don't talk to anymore, who is just this like force of nature that I just was like the, thank goodness this person's in my life, you know? Um, I think those people show up. So if those people are in your life, I think you'll find them in the book too. I think it's interesting because one of the things that I noticed in a lot of the um, work that I've created, because I've been an artist and a writer and stuff like that, is that a lot of the work that I've done, the protagonists have, are women. Yeah. And, 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 and it's the same thing. Some of them are amalgamations of people in my lives. Some of them, like I wrote a children's book and it's basically based on my daughter. Um, but I'm curious, why do you think it is that you chose to have a protagonist as, as a woman? So I really think it has a lot to do with listening over the last five years like I know that might sound a little tired or corny but I'm just my wife is an entrepreneur and 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 listening to her about just existing right mm -hmm. and and um I am you know I I am one of two male English teachers in a predominantly female English department. And I, like, you know, it's kind of been that way. That's, it's pretty standard for the most part. Um, so you hear this like chatter and I'm kind of in these moments like, man, I never thought about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Constantly. And then at the same time, you know, I just, I have had the pleasure of just being around a lot of really funny women. Like just I like my friends in college, mm -hmm. my friends I studied abroad with, just like just some real heavy hitters who were hilarious to be around. And I was looking at the landscape of um like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was sticking out at me and I was like that just is not she's not any any female character I know you right. know what I mean in some of these instances the women just weren't authentic to me you know and I just felt like I could just tell a story that presented so that Sam character Sam honestly. reminded me of Buffy if we got to see her 10 years later after fulfilling her purpose right there is a sense of if we got to see that much of Buffy like you know Buffy saved the world at 19 yeah but then she had to go live her life. And then how I, I imagine if you peak at high school, <laughs> you become a fucking mess in your adult life and have to figure out what your real purpose is or your new purpose is. And I just immediately like I, well, we had a chance to read the book. I very, very much liked it. And I want to talk about a couple of things that I really liked. The first being the opening sequence, um, the way that you decided to. uh dull out exposition more so the way that you decided not to dull out exposition okay 
really, really worked for me. Because you actually just see her in action. There's too much in comics, yeah. especially first issues, especially like somebody new or right, a new comic. In the, in the industry. It yep. is so much tell and not enough show. Yep. You yep. showed her in action and gave her an internal dialogue that was enough to just immediately glom me onto her. Mm -hmm. And the pacing of it was great. You want to know something, a funny fact? That the, So the first five pages of that book, yeah. right? That was in drafts like one through three of the book and then it was recommended that i remove it hmm. because it was too slow because because i think they wanted to be inserted into her personal like readers wanted her to be to be like inserted into her personal life um so i removed it and then i wrote the first script not including those first hmm. five pages nope. ricardo was like hey i think there's something we got to is there any way we can speed this up? And I was like, actually, no. there it's, is. It's the David Mamet rule. You you enter a scene in progress. You leave a scene before somebody's done with their sentence, right? Yep. So, like, I had no idea why the fuck she was on a boat, what she was stalking. All I knew is that there's this person who is mildly interesting, and she's just going. Why she fights it, what she's fighting, who she's fighting it for. No goddamn clue. Yeah. And it almost doesn't matter because all I needed to know was this wreck of a human is good at one thing. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and here's the thing. Yeah. I, one of the things that, like, we hopefully by issue two, it, it makes it very clear. She's actually also, you realize, like, she's not that great at it. <laughs> right? Like, in the beginning of that scene, she's like her friend, Joey, who, who we meet shortly after and we'll find this more as we as we learn more about Joey is kind of the know-it-all. He's kind of the nerd friend and he's telling her at before she goes on this journey that like it's not a werewolf. You're not fighting a werewolf. Right. Um and she's kind of like whatever man, like I just have to show up and kill this thing. Well, the thing is so you exhibited that in the book with her searching for the wand. Why don't you bring it with you? Cuz then I'd lose it. She literally already lost it and spent the whole scene looking for it. Yeah. So even her impression of what's the right thing to do is still pretty terrible, which yeah. is an incredibly endearing quality. Uh, the other thing that I really, really dug was your introduction of I, who I assume is the main villain. Um, I felt that sound effect. So there's a, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, like without spoiling it. They just appear and oh, they're yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And I literally felt the snap of the sound effect, like a rocket. Yeah. And it was just very effective yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, that is a very good entrance in comics. And the character design reminded me of somebody in pop culture that I hate. So I love hating this person already. I hope, I hope you're... Uh, is this person on podcasts a lot? Too many. Okay. Is the is this person a professor of some kind? Shouldn't be. Okay. So my artist, when he designed this character, uh, was like, hey, should we get on a bunch of subreddits and just talk about how much this guy looks like? Can we say it? Should we say it? I don't is know. Can okay? we say is it? I don't care. I just don't want if to. You want to uh, you he looks like that. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Are you familiar with who Jordan no, Peterson is? No. You're lucky. You familiar with who Jordan Peterson is? I know of him. Yeah. Ricardo's going to be much. so happy that you uh, said that. A fucking immediate, first of all, I didn't so I didn't know you that well yet, so when I saw I was following on social media, when I saw the character designs, I immediately was just like that's Jordan Peterson. 
But then in context of the book, I was like, that's Jordan Peterson, even with the jacket. I'm like, yeah, that's is perfect. Is absolutely perfect. And I was a fan. But um, yeah, let him know. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I'm uh, so word. When do we get? Mueller? Oh, that's Jordan Peterson. You know, that guy. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen him. Oh, he's he's a dour looking weirdo. Kind of scary looking. I mean, he, yeah, he is. He's a he's a sunken angry guy. And then like the most recently he's been wearing like two face Batman villain style um, suits. So it's like, yeah, you're Where they're a, half and half. You're a comic book villain. There's hey, like Robert Monroe, Robert Monroe just Jr. Uh, oh, congrats. Wonderful. He just pledged money. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. You'll enjoy it, Robert. Uh, I think it's interesting that you said it was a book first. A lot of times, I think all of us have, uh, <coughs> excuse me, when we were reviewing something that uh, the writer had been a novelist right before that, um, it takes a couple of issues, yeah. if ever, for them to get in the swing of comics. Yeah. And um, even even comic artists or authors who have been longtime authors and went to write novels, when they come back, it's like very heavy yeah. And um, the book Far Sector, which we all really liked, still felt like oh, uh, uh, N.K. Jemisin. Of, yeah, yeah. The, the first two issues. She's a novelist. Yeah, she's a very excellent world builder. Those first two issues, very dense, dense, very dense, very yeah. text heavy, very dense. It's actually and we all a great love that series. series. Okay. It's a great series. Yeah, yeah. I've never read it. Oh, it's so it's great. Yeah, it's, great it's really but good. it took like three issues to like really gel because yeah. she had so much world building to do, and you felt the weight. But I never would have guessed that really? this started out as a novel. It was a complete surprise to me. It just um, that's not the impression that I had with this at all. So it was really, really good. Yeah. Awesome, thank you. I so another artist or not artist, another author who I was paying attention to. I I haven't read any of his scripts yet, but Ben Percy on Wolverine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've uh, I'm like 14 issues in. has like taught me a lot just by reading the issues. Um, he's just a beast too. I like him a lot. Another Ben Percy series that I... No, He's on Ghost Mar- Rider now, that, His right? Ghost Rider with um, Shaw was cool. And then X-Factor. No, X-Force. I liked his X-Force. He's still, he's still writing it. He's literally the only... Is he the only X, one left of the Hickman? Like, yeah, I think he's the only Hickman person. Wait, Duggan. Him and Duggan are like the only ones, OGs that are left in like the Krakoa era. But yeah, they're still cranking out. That series is wild. Yeah. I, Hickman, one day I'll get. One day I'll try and do Hick. He's just so good. I, I just, I'm not in. I don't know. I can't do the graphic design though. I can't do all the symbols and the languages and. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to create a new language yeah, and then uh, iconography for it and then uh, timelines maps. and branching ones. Do you mean one day you'll try to imitate his style or you'll get into his writing? I would love to be as good as him one day. Oh, like sure, whatever sure. it takes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At this, right. whatever but, um, it takes. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? I just got to show up. Exactly. That's it. You know? I was Damon Daniels. I'm going to say he says hi. And he uh, accuses you of not getting ready for New York City Comic Con this coming Friday. No, I'm going th- to Thursday tomorrow? Thursday is tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow. So that's there you, go. Oh, you are? Yeah, I'm just going to show up. Go. and I, I'm literally showing up and flyering and just... How hard can mm. it be, man? That's like, fucking awesome. Just going to get in my car, take the train in New let's, York. Let's manifest something. Next yeah. year, you have a table. Let's do it. Or at least at the Philly Expo or something. Like next year, a table. We can manifest that. Yeah. Um, any any other thoughts or questions for Carmen? I, I very much like this book. I want to see an issue too. Anybody that's listening, if you're if any of this sounded interesting or if you just even like this guy, 
How uh, can you support not like this pledge? Guy? Read Proctor number one. Oh, I do have. Can I just pitch the stretch goals real quick? Fuck yeah. Okay, so uh, stretch goals. Oh, I love these. I saw these. Thank you. I I, yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking about these, and I. So the first stretch goal is at 6K, and you'll get stickers of this, right? So hmm. everybody will get a three by five sticker of the Slay All Day cover B. Um, oh, by the way, that cover was drawn by Andrea Scalmazzi. Uh, he is an Italian artist who, oh man, he's going to kill me. Well, I can't remember the the publisher he works with, but it's it's an Italian. No, it's not Mad Cave. Uh, Ricardo just, uh, his story just came out in Mad Cave. It's Tales the anthology, of the Cave. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so 6K will get us stickers here. But more importantly, if we get to 8K, I'm going to give a 10% raise to every single creative that I worked with on this project. Awesome. Uh, my like my buddy Ryan Beatty, who handled the music in the movie trailer, he's gonna get something. Like literally everybody who touched this thing, I want to make sure um, they get paid out because I even like coming from the music world, I, I just I have this philosophy that everybody eats. Like right. everybody eats, everybody gets taken care of. I don't need to make I don't need to make a million dollars. I hopefully I break even. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> full transparency. 12 grand is what I'm in on this project right now. Right. So like the 4,500 is just being dumped or whatever we raise is being dumped right into issue two. Um, and I'm kicking this money back to the artists, the $10,000, uh, stretch goal, which is what I'm super excited about. Uh, my brother started a nonprofit called the comics collective Inc. Um, it is a nonprofit organization that is focusing on getting underserved youth comic books and experiences. Um, the goal is to write a thousand dollar check uh, and do a thousand dollar scholarship for a senior who plans on majoring in art or graphic design. Nice. Um, yeah, awesome. in, in a school district that is you know historically underserved. Um, the the nonprofit was founded because my as much as I love comics like my brother and I grew up in a house where like you know I'm not giving you two dollars to go to know <laughs> your I'm not giving you two dollars to go buy a comic book every week or every month no right. we're not subscribing to comics no I'm not driving you up the road That's to go to the right. comic book store it was just no was a common phrase in my house mm -hmm. and the only comic books that my brother and I really had up through, you know, middle school or even high school were like hand-me-down comics, like Wolverine, you know, that sort of stuff. My cousin who grew up in Northeast Philly would would visit for summers or I would go visit him for the summer and he would just give us these comic books that he had. Uh, by the time I got to high school, I was more concerned with beer, guitar strings, gas. Like, it was just, it just was yeah. what it was, you know, yeah. like, like that was kind of what I was more worried about at the time. So my money went to that driving to shows, buying equipment. Um, and now coming on the other end of it and finally having money and looking at myself. And then as a teacher, seeing kids who really want to be a part of the conversation, but just don't have the means, mm -hmm. um, I just want to make sure I can be of service to them and hearing actually the most tragic thing is hearing about kids who want to go to school for this stuff and they have no idea where to start for what, you know, for, for understandable reasons, the guidance isn't there because life gets in the way. And I understand that. And it's like, man, if I could just, if 
I just had a thousand bucks, if I just had eight hundred dollars, if I just had four hundred bucks for supplies, like we want to at least be able to provide it to somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, I think even still, I think it's gotten better in the last couple of years. But even still, comic books are not really considered a form of literature, um, and they truly are. Like if they mm-hmm. were as, there are so many people in my life now at our age, at my age, who wish that they were allowed to culturally or even just pushed on them comic books as an option in regards to reading level, learning apprehension, all of it. And they would love books more if they were allowed to just like really express themselves with comic books as opposed to required reading lists of two, 300 year old books that were forced on you and you had to write about them. Yeah. I have, so like I the, just, the joy of reading is lost when you don't like allow people to find their level. Yeah, 100%. I love reading. Yeah. And I never read. I think I read like one assigned book. Yeah, from right. School, you know, yeah. story of my life. Yeah, you know how many say. kids come up to me and they're like, "Hey, Mr. Costa, you know, I never read that book, right?" I'm like, uh-huh. "You and everybody else, man." Like, <laughs> I, I, it's like that's like the, it, uh, you know, the 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 passing of the torch, coming of age thing is just to remind your English teacher that you didn't read whatever they had assigned <laughs> to you, you know. But I, so I just finished my reading specialist certification over the summer, and. I tell parents all the time, like, who cares what they're reading? Like, give them something to read. It's exactly. better. It's mm. better than social media. It just is. It, they're, they're not engaging in the content the right way. Find something that they like. The comic book, get it, let them read comic books. It's it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. I and, read yeah. recently that, um, and I forget the numbers, but comics have on average more rare words. That's than right. And many other forms of literature. And they're given visual context in order for you to understand yeah. what the, they are the, earlier the, and easier yeah. than anything else. And it's also never too late for comics. Like, I just this past year uh, have gotten <laughs> my brother and sister into comics, and they are late 40s. And they are just now, like, every time they come and visit, they'll raid my my office with my, mm-hmm. my shelves and be like, what's this and what's this? And I'll just give them a full fucking omnibus of like uh avengers hickman era and he'll come back two or three weeks later and be like do we have the second one i was like uh-huh. yes we do here yeah. you go <laughs> like i love people discovering it at any stage in their life because Amen. comics are for everyone it's so well, great and what like the traditional reading lane sometimes teaches kids is like all the wrong things man like i end up with kids who are 14 15 years old in my classroom and some of them unfortunately enter and they're thinking I'm I don't like reading so I'm bad at reading and I'm going to be bad at reading forever yeah you and it's it becomes this really tragic self-fulfilling prophecy and one of the things that we're seeing now too is in some instances discipline problems are just reading delays mm-hmm. right so it's like oh this kid is bad well maybe they're maybe this kid is bad because they're they're just reading two levels below grade level and they're frustrated. Yep. yep. So like, how about we close that gap? And then all of a sudden we see these discipline problems go away. So if I can, if you can put a comic book in a kid's hand to give them reading confidence, like let's do it. I don't, I, I don't see any reason why we should not be doing that. That's why everyone, if you are a, a weekly subscriber or a pull lister or just you read comics and you've got nothing but long boxes at home and you're not going to do anything with them, Fucking donate them. Donate them to yep. schools. Donate them to libraries. Donate them to friends with kids. Get rid of them and share. Yeah. Because, I mean, because it's good. Jerks. And there's a lot of new, like, 
really great coming of age comics. I know wow. people complain all the time. Like, you know, when you work in a comic book store, sometimes you hear people kind of complain about th the new, you know, oh my, everything is, everything's woke or everything's just too many changes. But like from a, going back to the, the business of comic books, we need a new injection of readers. We need a new entry yes, point. We do. There are a lot of really, really good teen characters that appropriately reflect teen readers. Let's get those books into the hands of those kids. And now we'll have more, like the industry will improve that way. We can't mm. continue to say, oh man, tell this 14 year old or 13 year old, like, hey, you like comics, you should read Todd McFarlane's Spider Man run. And that's fine. It's good. It's fine. But they don't see them. That's not them. It's no, pretty. Do you know what I mean? Not yeah. written very well. Not it's not. It's not written very well. And to be to be honest, it doesn't attract the kids nowadays. Because the the beautiful thing about you know the generation, and we're talking about two or three generations, you know, below us, mm -hmm. right? Is that they they do go to the comics. But they're going to the comics by way of manga and manga, anime. YA. So they appreciate actually deeper, better storytelling. And that's what's really pulling them in. Yeah. So when you're so when you're saying they're not in the comic book stores because they're not buying the Superman, the Batmans, and Spider-Mans, that's because they're going to that little small section. They're buying a lot of these independent books, such as Proctor and all the <laughs> other ind independent No. No, so was. mine was That's like it. a was mine was like a, a was sick really Wookie. <laughs> yeah, and, yours yeah. was yeah. Yours had like some Cardi B. <laughs> yeah, it was that was for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but they're they're going to that independent stuff that's got like a, a deeper like like okay. deeper meaning. It speaks to them. It yeah. speaks on their level. Um, and it and it's not trying too hard to speak well, to them. I, it's speaking right. exactly, meeting them exactly where they are. One of the things too that like really bothered me about just. I guess fans. Uh, nobody hates things that you love more than fans or complains about them more than fans do. I, I'm in many Facebook groups and social media groups, and there's always a question about, hey, can I just pick this up and read it? Or what do I need to prepare for this series or blah, blah, blah. The answer should always be minimal to nothing. You should be able to jump in at all. But there are gatekeepy style fans who are like, oh, well, you have to start five years before that with Grant Morrison's 70 issue run in order to understand the reference that's the seed of an idea in issue two of this series you're talking about. So enjoy $700 worth of back issues to get. Right. Like that is not the answer. Yeah. We're, we're adding so much like levels of complexity and, and burden onto people just enjoying something. Stop it. It's why I was happy to see Strange Academy show up. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like books like that, when they show up, it's a breath of fresh air. How they were reprinting them too, as like digest size. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. super smart move. You know, they did that years ago for Runaways. Really, yeah, they the original, yes, they did. the original. Oh. So it was in issues, but then the original trade paperbacks for Runaways were digest size. Yeah, first time I read all of it was in digest size, and then they printed them in oversized hardcovers. And I they remember never had I, normal trim well, size. I remember, I and yeah. and I remember seeing kids like walking around with that. And that's a dark book. Yeah, but 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 that's but in the type of writing and they liked it. Yeah, but that's the type of writing yeah. they like, man. It's not too too much for them, you know. They'll get in there. Look, you say it's dark, but you look at some of the the best animation that's out there mm -hmm. in the last 20, 20 years. Steven Universe, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. They all just get just as dark. All very adult and themed, you know. Well. So, 
complex emotions, not adult. Yeah, 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 complex yeah. emotions. Right, right. Yeah, man, comics are the best. Everyone should read them. Like Proctor. Oh, that was the best one. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. I that I I let's. I mean, we went for forty-five minutes on this on this comic. We could talk probably a little bit more. Guys, you got anything else going on? Do you want to talk about independent? We've we spent all this time talking about independent comics. The show's almost over. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I brought some. If you want to talk about them, and know. Okay, they're there. Oh, yeah, they're there. Bye. Hey, uh, Powers is great. Um, Hip Hop Family Tree is about to be reprinted in Omnibus by Ed Piscor. Dope, Ed Piscor. Um, you're an Astro City boy. Very much so. I brought this for you. That was probably going to be the thing that I talked about, unless. Len talked about it because I saw it there. Uh, I, I wasn't I, sure. I, so I, cool. I try and over-prepare, and I was just like, yeah. let me grab shit from my yeah. shelf that I think Brian will want to talk about, that I think Len will want to talk yeah. about. Um, and then the Terry Moore was for uh, JD. But anyway, um, guys, go to your comic shop. Enjoy comics. Hmm. Fund projects that are worth it, like Carmen's. Uh, that's Proctor issue number one, available on Kickstarter. We'll have all the links. Um, yeah, man. Th- I, anything else you want to plug? Um, my brain is, is melting right now, so no, and I'm probably going to get stabbed because of that, but I, I can't re- recall. <laughs> <laughs> Who in this room will stab Cameron? <laughs> when the lens go out, next week. someone will be dead. <laughs> um, Brian, hey. where can the people find you when you're not here? Uh, I'm, I'm around and about. I'm at brianleabdesign.com. Uh, I'll also be appearing uh, November 10th, Friday, November 10th, 7.30. Phoenixville. Phoenixville, Forge Theater, the theater where my parents met. It's unrelated to this show. Um, probably. It's an improv show. Who knows? It, I was going to say, like, yeah. if we're allowed to yell out suggestions, I'll be like, your parents meeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we asked for a noun, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Meet like your parents. <laughs> M-E-A-T? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure, works. sure. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah, parent meet. Um, okay. It's also the title of my upcoming one-man show, Parent Meat. With butter. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring it full circle. Parent Meat, colon, a butter problem. Yeah. Uh, but Did I say everything about that? We're called Comedy on Demand. It's an improv comedy show, 7.30 p.m., Friday, November 10th, and I would love to see all you guys there. How strong uh, is the demand required for the comedy? It's a very middle, drop of a hat kind of thing. Oh. You're like, comedy? And we're like... We don't even have to spoken. demand it. It's just like implied... Yeah, we take implications. Yeah. Brad, Len, <laughs> where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on all the social media at the Michelle Mission, which is my podcast, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, we stream every Tuesday night right here from Young Junk, and we're available wherever you find podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Uh, I sleep here. So I'll be here forever. Uh, but besides that, uh, every every... Every uh, Wednesday morning, uh, Fresh Floppies podcast where we talk about all uh, uh, spoiler-free reviews of comic books on the shelf. Carmen, one more thing. You uh, one last you thing, a quick pitch. Uh, Alton Simpson, creator of Vampires of New Jersey, um, has been very helpful and insightful. Um, he's a great guy. He's been kickstarting books since, I think, like 2017, 2018. Mm. So if you guys can look him up, please give him uh, a shout-out, too. Alvin Simpson? Alton. Alton Simpson. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Cool. All right. I, like, I, I we'll catch you guys later. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, email us at copopco at gmail.com. We'll talk mm. to you later.
Thank you for listening to the Cult Pop Network, home to podcasts, live shows, and a whole lot of fun stuff for every flavor of fan. Follow us wherever you find your favorite podcasts and be sure to join us live every Wednesday night at youtube.com backslash cultpopgo at 8 p.m. Eastern. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell icon so you'll know when we drop new Thunder Rounds and episodes of Fresh Floppies, a spoiler-free show about single-issue comics released each week. Until then, we'll talk at you later.